on today's episode of the Dear Pats Nation podcast with Ray Rout, we're going to be talking about the NFL starting their investigation into the Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, based on the Brian Flores claims that he was offered $100,000 per loss by the Dolphins owner for every loss in 2019 season to improve their draft spot. We're going to talk about the strange news that came out over the weekend that says the New England Patriots came very close to making a trade with the Las Vegas Raiders for quarterback Derek Carr. Now the Buffalo Bills are a very good team when you combine the defense, offense, and then Josh Allen, the best quarterback in the NFL. It's hard to imagine any other team in the AFC or NFC being more complete than the Buffalo Bills. And finally, as the AFC East continues to grow stronger and stronger, New York Jets legend Joe Namath believes that though Zach Wilson shows some upside, he may be too short for the NFL. What's up, kids? My name is Ray Rout, and I am the host of the Dear Pats Nation podcast. I'm here to break down all of the biggest questions around the NFL and figure out how it relates back to the New England Patriots. We are also live here on the Halftime app. This episode of the Dear Pats Nation podcast is brought to you by our sponsors over at Ultra Game. Get decked out in our fully licensed NFL gear. They have all your favorite teams over there. Go check out Ultra Game, one of the largest suppliers of licensed NFL apparel. Don't waste your time or money with knockoffs. Go get geared up with Ultra Game. We've left those links all in those descriptions. And we are members of the Dean Blundell podcast. contact creators go check it out deanblundell.com all right guys and we are going to start by looking at some of our patreon questions over from our patreon page patreon.com slash dpn sports for only five dollars a month and articular pack six says if you were bb what is someone coming into free agency you would personally pick to build the pats Now, this is a tough question because I believe that the Patriots should be focusing on their defense throughout this offseason. I think that they should be improving upon building a top five defense for New England. We kind of had these discussions in the last podcast where we talked about it being more intuitive to the Patriots offense. However, I am going to pick an offensive player. And if, if for me, if I had my choice, I want the Patriots to go after Chris Godwin. I think the Patriots need a true number one on their offense. I don't think he's actually going to cost that much money. He's going to cost enough. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to be cheap, but I don't think he's going to demand huge money, especially with the draft being so wide receiver heavy. Because I think that Mac Jones needs that outlet. I think that Nelson Aguilar needs to slip down to the Y. You could put Godwin on the X. I think that Kendrick Bourne can take care of the slot. And I think that if you re-sign Jacoby Myers, he can kind of be the rover. You can move on from the Nikhil Harries of the world. So as much as you're going to hear me pump up the defense over and over and over again, I think at some point the Patriots do have to address the offense, and that's the free agent I would love to see the Patriots go after. Now, Alex DeNeo says, do you believe that Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury will affect teams trying to sign him this offseason? I absolutely do. I also believe, so first of all, for those of you who don't know, Odell Beckham Jr. is believed to have torn an ACL, which means 
he's going to be in jeopardy of being ready for the season to even start in September. And what we could see is a very late start for Odell Beckham. And because of that, I mean, everybody knows I'm a New England Patriots fan. Everybody knows I've been enamored with Odell Beckham since he's been a New York giant. Ever since I heard there was a possible trade before New York backed out with the Patriots, I've wanted Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, it'd be great to sign him and have him come in in late October, November, be fresh, but he'd have to acclimatize himself to the Patriots offense. We've seen receivers come in late and it not really work. I think that this injury to Odell, I don't want to say guarantees that he's going to be an L.A. Ram again next season. However, I think it would make a lot of sense for him. It would make a lot of sense for the Rams. It would make a lot of sense for Odell. You can make your money. It's going to affect him how much they're going to pay him because he's coming off a torn ACL. However, you can come in late. You know the system. You have familiarity with the coaching staff. You have familiarity with the the linebackers, all that kind of st- or with the quarterback, all that kind of stuff. And I think you come in. So yeah, I think it's going to hurt him. But I also think that that's the reason that he's going to be staying in Los Angeles. The final question comes from Doug Somers, who says, "What do you think is going to be more crucial to Mac Jones' development: a consistent, great offensive line, or putting playmakers at the skill positions?" And this, of course, is going to cause a lot of discussion, possibly controversy, possibly arguments amongst Patriot fans. Because we just saw what the Cincinnati Bengals did. You drafted T. Higgins. You drafted Jamar Chase. You put the Cincinnati Bengals in a position where they can compete and be good for a long time. However, we also saw what happens when you don't have a solid offensive line. We saw it in the Super Bowl. We saw Joe Burrow go down a lot. So I think when it comes to the Patriots, I think when you think of Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, when you think about what the Patriots have both in the air and on the ground, I think if the Patriots are going to be successful, I think if they're going to bring Mac Jones to the next level, as much as it's really tempting to say, hey, go get him that true number one wide receiver. That's what's going to be the most imperative to his development. I just think it's going to be difficult for the Patriots to succeed if they don't have a strong offensive line because both their air game is going to struggle with Mac Jones being a pocket quarterback and their run game is going to struggle. So for me, I would like to see the Patriots give him that offensive line. Now, Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross could lose his team if the tanking allegations from his former head coach Brian Flores are proven true by an NFL investigation, sources told NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. So if the NFL's probe into the Dolphins proves that they tanked or at least attempted to tank, Does Ross deserve to lose his team? Now, that seems like a harsh punishment when you look at it from the surface. And we often talk about Roger Goodell and the NFL protecting the NFL shield. We all we know all about that. That's no secret to anybody. 
However, when we're talking about the integrity of the game, not just for the standings, not just for the draft positions, but you think about everything else that comes with it. You think about the people who subscribe to the networks. You think about the sponsors. You think about the gambling. You think about all of that kind of stuff. Teams going out of their way to tank. It's one thing for a general manager to not set up the team with the players to be successful. It's a whole nother for a coach to be purposely losing games. And that's exactly what Steven Ross wanted Brian Flores to do. There's probably nothing dirtier in football, in my opinion, than that. And I know people are going to say, oh, you're a New England Patriots fan. That's really, you know, ballsy, blah, blah, blah. No, it's it's a brutal story. And I do believe, if it's true, then yeah, I do believe Stephen Ross has to give up the team. I do believe that that's unforgivable. I do believe that the NFL needs to strip him of the team force him to sell and not hand it over to a family member. Cause we saw that in, in San Francisco before it needs to be a forced sale. And then the team in the organization needs to be punished as well. It needs to be a double whammy, whether that's draft picks, I don't know, whatever it may be, but that's huge. In my opinion, that's huge. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Now the new England Patriots consider trading for Derek Carr before the 2021 season, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. Sources say that Carr's top choice for a new coach was actually the one the team hired in Josh McDaniels. Rappaport wrote in recent report on Sunday, in the past, McDaniels and Zeigler's affection for the three-time Pro Bowler led them to consider trading for him. Let's start with the obvious question. Would Derek Carr have been more successful with the Patriots in 2021 than Mac Jones was? Yes. I think that you have to look at the entire situation and Derek Carr being an established quarterback who was still playing at high levels. This isn't Mac Jones, or sorry, this isn't Cam Newton, I apologize, who was a shell of his former self. This wasn't Cam Newton living off the MVP year when he was no longer close to that status. When you saw what happened with the Raiders this year, Derek Carr carried that team on his back and brought them all the way to the playoffs. I think that when you think of New England and you think about maybe the slow start that they had, I don't know if Derek Carr puts them in that hole. Maybe Josh McDaniels play calling isn't as conservative. Maybe the Patriots do win the AFC East. Maybe they don't fall out of contention for the AFC. Maybe they don't get blown out to the Colts. Maybe they don't get blown out to Buffalo. Who knows? Or maybe they have the exact same season. And I would say if they made a trade for Carr and they gave up draft assets and they had the same season, it would probably be way more disappointing than how the Patriots season ended this year, even though it ended in a big blowout loss to Buffalo in the playoffs. Because you think about how that would have transformed the landscape of the draft. When you think about Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson, Ronnie Perkins, Cameron McGrone, all the guys who we expect to be long-term contributors of New England, if you're giving up draft assets for Derek Carr, then it's not going to work. Now let's ask the question that I'm sure some people have in their head. 
Was drafting Mac Jones a better decision for the Patriots than trading for Derek Carr? 100%. It was a better decision for New England. I don't know how anybody could turn around and say that bringing in Derek Carr would have been a better decision. It would have been a better short-term decision to bring in Derek Carr. It would have given the Patriots the opportunity to maybe compete for a playoff spot, maybe compete a little bit more in the playoffs. But is it fair to turn around and say that Mac Jones was the sole reason that the Patriots didn't go to the Super Bowl this year? Because that Patriots defense really fell off the rails. I mean, there's been these rumors that perhaps Belichick lost the defense near the end of the season. Maybe there are some angst amongst the ranks. The people, the, the veterans want to draw Mayo as their defensive coordinator, not Steve Belichick. However, when you think about the long-term health of the organization, you think about what Mac Jones could develop into. And I'm not saying he's going to develop into the GOAT. I'm not saying that he's going to be the best of all time, but he's going to be a top five in the NFL, but he can develop into a very reliable quarterback. He could probably develop into what Derek Carr is for Vegas. Very reliable. Now you get the right weapons. You put the right pieces, both offensively and defensively. You have Bill Belichick, who maybe has a couple of years left as a coach. And then if Robert Kraft can make the right decision about the next head coach, etc. I think that both financially I think for the health of the organization moving forward, drafting Mac Jones was 100% the right decision. Even though I get people may be looking at the short term. Patriot fans are used to winning. Patriot fans are used to the Patriots going to the Super Bowl. They're not used to being bounced in the wild card rounds. They're not used to the team only winning 10 games. Especially in an extended season. But again, when you look long-term, I think the Patriots definitely made the right move. Now, the Buffalo Bills could be the most complete team in the NFL this season. Of course, some of it's got to do with Josh Allen and that offense, but that defense is phenomenal, especially that secondary. And stepping up in a big way to make up for Trey White's loss were safeties Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Little more needed to be mentioned about them, aside from both being named All-Pros. Prior to the injury, White was having another strong year. Replacing him as Buffalo's top corner was Levi Wallace, and then Dane Jackson began starting as well. Both did their jobs and were not exposed often. However, the level of competition faced after White's departure was mostly uninspiring. In the slot, Teron Jackson was actually Buffalo's top-rated corner this season via pro football focus, and he clocked in at a 65.7. Will the Buffalo Bills be the best team in the NFL next season? That, of course, is a million-dollar question if you're a Buffalo fan. That's going to enrage fan bases like the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe the L.A. Rams. But let's be let's be real for a second, people. When you think about Stephon Diggs, when you think about Josh Allen, when you think about the coaching staff with Sean McDermott, Joe Brady, when you look at that defense, the best safety tandem in the league, they'll have Jadavius White back, back, the best corner in the NFL. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with some of the offensive guys like McKenzie or... 
Cole Beasley, but you still got Diggs. You still got Dawson Knox. I look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs and say they're not complete. I think they have way bigger holes in Buffalo. Cincinnati's not quite there yet. Patriots got a way to go. Indy has a lot of holes, way more holes than I think people want to acknowledge. Tennessee has quarterback issues. Baltimore, you got to worry about Lamar Jackson's health. You have to worry about the weapons that they bring in for him. Got to worry a little bit about that defense. I think you got to worry a little bit about some of those coaching decisions that they've had in Buffalo or in Baltimore. The NFC is a mess. I mean, the Rams, we'll see what happens in free agency. They're losing a lot of key players. Green Bay, you have no idea what they're going to be. Tampa Bay, depends what they do at quarterback. They lost Tom Brady. We have heard they're optimistic Brady could return. But maybe they're looking at a Russell Wilson. They're looking at a, a Jimmy Garoppolo. Who knows? So when I look around the league, when I look at all the teams, when I look at what everybody's doing, I can't see a team outside of Buffalo that's going to be better. But let's bring this back to New England. What are the chances that the Patriots could challenge the Bills for the AFC East? Now, when you think about the slow start that the Patriots had, and I'm trying to do this without being delusional. I'm trying to do this with keeping the most objective hat on that I can, trying to be a professional broadcaster. But you think about the slow start. You think about the loss to Miami with the fumble by Damian Harris. When you think about the stinker they put up against New Orleans. You think about the loss to Dallas in overtime. You think about the close game they lost to Tampa Bay. If one or two of those games go the other way, they're a 12-win team. Now, New England fell apart at the end of the season. That's concerning. But again, I think that the Patriots got a couple of guys that they're looking at internally. Ronnie Perkins, Cameron McGrone. What can they turn into this season? We didn't see either of them play last year. We're going to see how the Patriots attack the draft. Can they bring back J.C. Jackson? Can they address the secondary? Will the Buffalo Bills underperform like they did this year? Their whole Jekyll and Hyde thing that Mario from Hashtag Sports likes to talk about all the time. Those are kind of the questions that need to be answered. And I don't have the time to go into full detail and give the long answer for every question. So I'll bring it back to the original question. What are the chances that the Patriots could challenge the Bills for the AFC East? I would say there's a slight chance. But I think a lot of things have to go right for New England. I think some things have to go bad for Buffalo. Now what you're hoping is if you're the Patriots at that first place schedule, playing the Kansas City Chiefs, playing the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, playing the Tennessee Titans. You hope that those three teams are competing at the levels that we expect them to compete at and maybe take some of those games away from Buffalo. The Patriots are going to have to play better, both offensively and defensively, because they've been embarrassed by the Bills. So that's sort of where I'm leaning. I need to see. But yeah, I think there's a chance that they could compete. Now, imagine being a New York Jets fan right now 
and you hear one of your legendary quarterbacks absolutely trash your new quarterback. But Joe Namath believes that the Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, is too small for the NFL. Namath did see an impressive trait in Wilson, particularly his arm strength and mobility outside of the pocket. But it didn't sound, he didn't sound too convinced that the six foot two, 214 pound frame will hold up in the NFL. Quote, I like him, but I don't know how long he's going to last, Namath said. You'd like for a guy to be six foot six, six foot seven back there in the pocket. School's still out on how Zach's going to be, end quote. Now, we've heard some of this similar criticism towards the Arizona Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray. So, are quarterbacks like Zach Wilson and Kyler Murray too short for the NFL? I don't like this debate. I think it's a ridiculous debate. I don't think that the NFL is necessarily always based on size and weight. I mean, I know it has its place, but when you look at a team like the New England Patriots who have been really solid at the offensive line position, yeah, they got Trent Brown, who's absolutely gigantic, but Besides that, you have like David Andrews, who's undersized. You had Joe Tooney, who was undersized. Ted Karras, who's sort of undersized. Isaiah Wynn, undersized. Mike Onwenu, a bit undersized. They got a small offensive line. But I know Kyler Murray, I mean, they talked about him not being able to see over his old line. Balls getting batted down, turning in interceptions. But I think that guys like Murray, like Wilson, they need to be based on their skill set. They need to be based on what they do on the field. I refuse to buy into the premise that a quarterback can be too short or too small for the NFL. Like That legitimately doesn't make sense to me. I understand people trying to stir the pot a little bit. I understand people wanting to find reasons that guys can't be successful. But to talk about height, you, know, you go back to a guy like Julian Edelman. I know it's a different position, wide receiver, but he was always told he was too short, too small to play football, turn into one of the Patriots' best receivers of all times. Super Bowl MVP. I get having a big, tall quarterback in the pocket, throwing the football, but what Kyler Murray and Zach Wilson can do with their legs can make up for a lot of their height. So if you ask me, are they too short for the NFL? I don't, I don't think it's, I don't even think it's a question. There's no way they're too short for the NFL. Now let's bring this back to the Patriots a little bit. Who's going to have the better career, Zach Wilson or Mac Jones? Now I'm going to answer this one cautiously because I know what the blowback and I know what the reaction is going to be based on what I say. I think that Zach Wilson's got a high ceiling. I think that he's got a skill set that could turn him into a very good to a great quarterback in the NFL. He's got the legs. He's got the arm strength. I would say from a mental perspective, from a reading the game, from reading a defense, from making the right reads, Mac Jones has a leg up on him. Now we did see Mac Jones make a lot of rookie mistakes this year. I think back to that final game against Miami. That was one of the most glaring. 
But if we're going to base it on this season, if we're going to base it on what we've seen so far, what I can guarantee is, is Mac Jones will probably have a long career in the NFL. What he turns into, we don't know. It's going to be a couple of years. We kind of know what Mac Jones is going to be in one sense. He is what he is. However, we got to see how much better he gets. How much stronger does he get? How much faster does he get? How much better does he get at reading defenses? How does he get you know better on staying under pressure? How does he do in, in the reads? Zach Wilson, there's no guarantee that he's ever going to develop into the guy who I think the New York Jets so desperately want him to turn into. If he does, if he reaches his full potential and the New York Jets have turned a corner in organizational management and culture, then yeah, it's easy to say that Zach Wilson will be a better quarterback than Mac Jones. However, when you talk about who's guaranteed to have more sustainability, well, from a guaranteed perspective, it's Mac Jones. I don't think Mac Jones is in a situation where he's going to regress. I think that Mac Jones is in a situation where he's only going to get better. The question is, is how much better? Where Zach Wilson, the question is really, how much is he going to refine his skill set? I'll put it this way. I had a lot more faith in Josh Allen to develop into what he developed into than I have in Zach Wilson. Sorry, Jets fans. It's just, it's just the truth. A couple of things I want to address from yesterday. Uh, apparently, I enraged Cincinnati Bengals fans when I suggested that maybe, just maybe, I didn't believe that the Bengals were robbed of the Super Bowl. I'm here to tell you that I, I got the DMs, I got the emails. I got the messages. I'm not sorry. Like, I'm not sorry at all. The Cincinnati Bengals were not screwed by the referees. Does the NFL need to address the referees? Should they have? Yes, they do. Should they have made that little ticky-tack hold? No, they shouldn't have. But I want to remind all the Bengals fans out there that if it wasn't for a blatant miss on a face mask, that 75-yard touchdown pass to T. Higgins doesn't happen. I want to remind you that that completely changed the complexion of the game because you make that one throw, no call, touchdown, next throw by, by Stafford is a tip ball for an interception. You score three points, you go up in the game. If that face mask is called... The entire complexion of that game changes. And if the Rams don't score a touchdown, if they don't make that holding call, the conversation is different today because we're going to be asking, did the Rams get screwed? And I know that a lot of people were cheering for Cincinnati, cheering for the underdog, cheering for the Cinderella story. I get it. I get it. You know what was weird, though? Sending me an eight-page essay. I don't mind somebody calling me clueless, because that's what I got. I was told to stick with Canadian football because I'm clueless, which is fine. You can have that opinion. That's up to you. 
No one's telling you to listen. No one's telling you to watch. No one's even telling you that my content is any good. I'm just here doing my thing, having fun. But you got that upset that you sent me an eight-paragraph email. Getting madder and madder and madder as the game went on, or as the email went on. I hope my response of I don't like Canadian football didn't offend you because I didn't know I didn't know what else to say to your email. I forget the name of the guy. It's like Rich Richardson or Steve Stevenson, something like that. Bengals fans. People cheering for the Bengals. Anybody who tweeted at me today or emailed me or DM me, you didn't get screwed. I didn't say anything crazy. I know you don't like it, but it's the truth. So please, just accept it. And if you accept it, you'll feel so much better. Thank you to everybody who tuned in here to the Dear Pats Nation podcast with Ray Rout. Coincidentally enough, my name is Ray Rout. Don't forget that this episode of the Dear Pat Station podcast is brought to you by our sponsors over at Ultra Game. Go get decked out in fully licensed NFL gear. It's not just Patriots gear. They have all your favorite team's merch over there. Go check out Ultra Game, the largest supplier of NFL apparel, licensed NFL apparel. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time on all of those knockups, knockoffs. Go get geared up with Ultra Game. Uh, let me tell you the benefit of becoming a Patreon member for only $5 a month. You get invited to our Patreon hangout every Friday night. Uh, you get direct access to me. I guarantee you that your comments and questions will be answered on every podcast and live show. For those of you who listen to the podcast, don't forget that we have a live show Monday through Friday, 730 to 830 over on our YouTube page, Ray Routes. But um, go check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash DPN Sports. Only five bucks. You're also invited to our Friday night hangout, which is on the live show. When, you, when you're watching the live show on Friday nights, we got like 10 guys on the screen. That's the Patreon crew. They pay to be on there. So I'm telling you right now, do it. Because don't forget, the Dear Pats Nation podcast that I record live over on the Halftime app and then, you know, put on all the different networks. I'm available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Castro, RayRoute.com, and the Dean Blundell Podcast Network at DeanBlundell.com. That's where you can get the podcast. That's different than the live show that happens every Monday to Friday at 7.30 till 8.30. So go check it out. And, uh, I mean, really, that's the show. I don't have much more to say. I guess all I can say is uh, never forget that uh you know you're all legit kid
do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.